Well, I'll be damned. Big Titty Harden has shown up finally to the Brooklyn Nets. Big Titty Harden is back, I guess. But we'll see, though. I mean, but hey, man. What he did tonight was interesting, man. He closed, He's actually closed out a game. Now, I want to see this consistently. But um, we're going to get to the main topic of the episode, which is one year later, one year ago. Um, well, it's technically at 12 o'clock, but let's, let's get into it, man. Kobe Bryant passed away in a helicopter crash along with his daughter and um, seven other passengers, including the pilot. Um, just a special, again, rest in peace to those that were lost on that flight. Um, it was a very, very sad, sad experience, you know, just hearing about it, not believing it at first, and then it hit me, and then me being very emotional about it because, you know, Kobe was my Michael Jordan. I mean, I watched him from a 17-year-old kid to a 38-year-old man scoring 60 points against a top five defense in the league as a send-off. So, and I was looking forward to seeing Gianna play in the WNBA because I knew if anyone could get her to that level, it's her father. I mean, Kobe's legacy is crazy, you know. 20-year man from the Lakers, man. Playing with Shaquille O'Neal, playing with Pau Gasol, winning five out of seven championships, showcasing that Mamba mentality, scoring 81 points. I still can't believe that the Black Mamba is gone. Now, one last thing about him before I move on. Um, I was reading a series of tweets that he was tweeting as he was watching his 81-point game. And that was the only game that his grandmother attended. And I was just like, whoa. And it happened to be on his grandfather's 81st birthday who passed. So, and he was just talking about how Lamar Odom kept... Um, talking shit saying I bet you can't get 70 bet you can't get 80 man that story is crazy but let's get into the uh particles of the show all right quiet clippers the clippers are quietly and I mean hush hush doing what technically they were supposed to do last year they're sitting atop of the Western Conference at 13 and 4 and have the best record in basketball tied along with the um, Los Angeles Lakers. Um my thoughts on this are 
The Clippers are quiet because from a technical standpoint, ever since they blew that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, nobody really respects them. You know, they've been a punchline. I mean, it was just like Golden State was a punchline for blowing a 3-1 lead to Cleveland, but they bounced back next year and kicked their ass. Now, I'm not necessarily picking the Los Angeles Clippers to win the championship, but I definitely do believe that we're going to finally get that LA-LA matchup. That's if somebody doesn't um, spoil it. But I know I normally just talk about music and basketball, but I gotta bring I gotta talk some NFL shit for a minute or two. Me being from Detroit and embracing the sorry ass Lions, when Matthew Stafford signed that record contract, I said I will root against the Lions and hate them and hate on them and wish they lose every game until they get rid of Matthew Stafford and my grandmother bought in the paper and I saw on the front of that sports page the end of Stafford is the inevitable and I really hope that this is true I hope that the Detroit Lions get rid of Matthew Stafford he is not any good I mean in 13 seasons he's 0-3 in the playoffs And Matthew Stafford is 9-66 against above 500 teams and 3-33 on the road versus above 500 teams. This season, he was 0-6 versus above 500 teams and 0-2 on the road versus above 500 teams. The Lions did have a tough schedule. But at the same time, you know, Matthew Stafford does not handle adversity well. I mean, there was a backup quarterback we had named Sean Hill. And Stafford had the organization get rid of him because Sean Hill was a good quarterback and could definitely take Stafford's spot. So, I mean... I'm celebrating the end of the possible possible end of the Stafford era in Detroit because I hate him. I completely fucking despise him. He doesn't have that go-getter mentality. I don't want to hear about fourth quarter comebacks. All of those occurred in the regular season. Where is that fourth quarter comeback against the Saints in the playoffs? Where is that fourth quarter comeback? I mean, technically... The Lions held the lead against the Cowgirls that whole game until, you know, the Pettigrew thing happened. But you still had another possession and you had a chance to blow the game out of the water and you didn't execute. Next up, the Seattle Seahawks, when we backed into the playoffs, we were only down three to six. And then we ended up losing um, 20 six to six or 23 to six or something like that so I don't want to hear about Matthew Stafford anymore I am so glad that the Lions finally decided to move on from this bum all this nigga cares about is racking up the statistics that's all he'll be a first ballot hall of famer but 
My question to the general public is, has there been a quarterback that has been in the Hall of Fame that's never won a playoff game? Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to win a playoff game uh, ever. I mean, it depends on what team he goes to. But I think he'll probably win one. That's my prediction. Man, and Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl. Now, you know, I've been a fan of Tom Brady. You know, this season I've been a little bit quiet on him. But this man beat Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees to go to the Super Bowl. Those are two of the top tier, top five, top ten quarterbacks in the league. And two top ten quarterbacks, I believe, all time. I think Drew Brees is a top ten quarterback of all time. I think Aaron Rodgers is a top ten quarterback of all time. And Brady beat both of those guys to go to the Super Bowl to match up against Patrick Mahomes boys. Like, if Brady loses, it won't really matter. If he wins seven championships and winning a title at the age of 43, that motherfucker there might be the biggest winner, the second best biggest you know he's the second biggest winner since Bill Russell man because Russell won uh, 11 championships but whoa Brady got that vibranium oh man man prayers go out to Trey songs I mean I understand the situation from both sides because allegedly I'm just going to say allegedly they say that Trey Songs was at the uh, Bills and Chiefs game not wearing a mask and he was being targeted and heckled by fans and the police came over and made the situation worse and tried to force Trey Songs to put his mask on I guess, I'm, my guess is he declined But Trey Songs said, I can't go for that. No, no, no can do. That nigga put the police in a motherfucking headlock and did not die or get shot. Thank God. Because I, when I saw the footage, I was just like, wow, they didn't kill him. They just arrested him. And, you know, he got charged with two misdemeanors and a low-grade felony, which is assault on an officer. All I'm going to say is, thank God that they didn't kill Trigger Trey, man. That would have been real sad. Because from the fan standpoint, the officers harassed Trey Songs. And they started beating on him. And Trey Songs applied that chokehold that Jake from Training Day used on those two crackheads. Now, we are at the meat and the potatoes of the show. Y'all got y'all little appetizers. Y'all got y'all motherfucking appetizers. Now, I'm going to go to 
my early candidates of the season. I know, I know, it's too early. But I would like to go back to these shows. You know, for future reference to see what I was thinking back then. So, all right, my early award candidates, early MVP awards. My first candidate, my number one guy, and the person who's possibly going to win this award to me, in my personal opinion, if he keeps going and if he doesn't get hurt. The number one spot for MVP goes to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has had a masterful season. This nigga is coming off of a torn Achilles, an injury that a majority of players do not come back the same from. If you look at Kevin Durant this season, he's averaging 31 points per game, shooting 54% from the field, shooting 48% from three, averaging seven rebounds and six assists, and averaging a block a game. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, and he's the best player on the team. I mean, me personally, I think he's the best player in basketball this season. My number two MVP candidate is Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is playing the big man uh, position to perfection. He is the dominating big man and force of the current times. He's currently averaging 28 points per game, 11 Oh, no, really. Yeah, 12 rebounds per game, three assists, a steal, and a block per game. He is playing incredible. The 76ers are one of the best teams in the East. And I believe that they're number one in the East right now. And it's definitely due to Joel Embiid's great play and their bench and the coaching. Doc Rivers. No matter what you say about him last year and what happened and everything, Doc Rivers is, you know, having is, is, is having a great season as a coach this year. Despite his various meltdowns in the past. Number three for MVP, I got the Joker, Nikola Jokic. I mean, this dude here is the one of the top three most skilled basketball players in the world. Like, this dude is a center that, that can push point. Like, this nigga is averaging 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. This nigga averaging a triple-double, averaging two steals a game and a half a block. That's pretty fucking good, if you ask me. And, I mean, Denver has improved. They've won three straight. They're currently fifth in the West right now. And I'm currently watching them play as we speak. And they're up on the Mavericks. Um, let me see. 76 to 67. So shout out to the Joker. My number four MVP candidate, Luka Doncic. This nigga is averaging 27 points per game. He's averaging 10 rebounds and 10 assists. He's... Well, 9.7, 9.5. I round that shit off to 10. So, Luca and Joker are averaging a triple-double. 
I wouldn't be surprised if the league gave it to one of those two guys. But at the same time, I mean, how can you deny Embiid or Kevin Durant either? My last and final and fifth uh, MVP candidate is Stephen Curry. Stephen, 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 Stephen. Stephen, uh, Stephen Curry is averaging 28 points per game, six rebounds and six assists. These are around his regular numbers. I mean, Steph Curry is making a, a, a comeback. And he has the Warriors playing well. I mean, they're 10th in the West right now, but nobody expected them to be that good. Without the services of Klay Thompson. Now, let's move on to the sixth man of the year. Um, My first... Um, My first candidate for six man, my number one guy, is the uh, defending champion, Montrez Harrell. I believe that Trez is definitely a leading candidate to win this award again. I mean, he's averaging 14 points per game, seven rebounds per game, a half a block and a half a steal. He's shooting 63% from the field. And 74% from the free throw line. I mean, Trez Harrell, when he switched over to the Lakers, you know, Benedict Arnold style, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he remained the same player, but he, I think he elevated his game a little bit despite him averaging less. But that's because, you know, there's Dennis Schroeder, there's Kyle Kuzma. So he's not going to have the responsibility of scoring as many points. Number two, six man of the year candidate. I got Shake Milton from the Philadelphia 76ers. Shake Milton got game. I noticed that last year when he was playing. I was like, all this kid needs is a, a little bit more minutes and he can do his thing. I mean, he's averaging 15 points per game, four assists, shooting 47%, 48% from the field. And shooting 35% from three. But yeah. Yeah. My next six man candidate is Chris Bruchet from the uh, Toronto Raptors. This dude been going to work this season. Like this dude, he plays center and power forward. But off that pick and roll, off that pick and pop, that man is invincible. Like he's averaging 15 points per game, seven rebounds per game, shooting 57%. From the field and shooting 48% from three. And he's averaging two blocks per game. Wow. Honestly, I don't know. This man might be the leading candidate for six man of the year. Jesus Christ. They don't put the Toronto Raptors on TV enough so they can see this man. 
I did not know he was a two-time NBA champion. How he win the other ring? Who he play for? Golden State. Wow. So you mean to tell me this man went back to back? Wow. Unbelievable. The next candidate that I have is Patty Mills. From San Antonio. Patrick Mills has always been a serviceable six man as seen in the NBA Finals. Now, um, this season he's averaging 15 points per game, three assists, shooting 47% from the field and 42% from three. Patrick Mills, his best quality, obviously, is score, score, score. And that's what the six man does. My last candidate is Carmelo Anthony from the Portland Trailblazers. Now, this season, his numbers are down, but he's not getting enough clock to my liking. But he's averaging 12 points per game, three rebounds a game, shooting 40% from three, and shooting a mediocre 39%, but... I feel like Carmelo Anthony should get a look at least for six men. Let's move on to most improved player. Now, you already know the number one candidate for most improved player is this Julius motherfucking Randall. Honestly, I think he could creep in on that bench for the um, All-Star game. I think it's a possibility that Julius Randle can be an all-star. I mean, look at this. He's averaging 23 points per game, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists, shooting 47% from the field, 35% from three. He might not be, he might be a liability on defense, but I still think that all around, these are all-star numbers. And he, I think that Julius Randle, if he gets aggressive enough, he could be the new Zach Randolph. My number two candidate for most improved player is Christian Wood. Nobody has had a jump like Christian Wood. This dude went from averaging 13 points per game to averaging 24 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, two blocks per game. This dude is having a hell of a season. Now, I don't think he's going to... I'm not sure. I think it's too many all-stars in the Western Conference for Christian Wood to get in, but I think a lot of coaches will vote for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he got in. Next up... On the most improved list, my third candidate is Gordon Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward caught a lot of flack for signing a $30 million deal with Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets. But this season, he's living up to the hype. He's averaging 24 points per game, five rebounds per game, four assists per game, 51% from the field, and 43% from three. Gordon Hayward 
This is his best NBA season. And a lot of people were putting him in that washed up category. No, he was never washed up. He was just the fourth option on the team. So, of course, but even last year as a fourth option, look at this. He averaged 18 points per game, seven rebounds per game. Four, man, Gordon Hayward is back in the top 50. I'm putting it, I'm staking the claim now. My fourth candidate for most improved player is Colin Sexton. I mean, Sexton had a solid season last year, but this season right now, he, I mean, but he averaged 21 points per game last year. Now I know he's doing it on a mediocre team like Cleveland. I get it, but this, this is a hell of a jump. 26 points per game, four assists per game, a steal per game. Like, he's shooting 46% from three, 51% from the field. Efficiency, the young bull, as they call him. Man, I don't know. This most improved category is loaded. And my last candidate the fifth candidate in fifth place right now is Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's having a hell of a season. Um, he's averaging 22 points per game, four rebounds per game, seven assists per game. He's not shooting that great from the field. He's shooting 45%, which is okay. That's kind of like Dame Lillard range. Um, and he's shooting 30. Uh, he's shooting 40% from three. Um, he, he He's holding down the Indiana Pacers. You know, he's leading them to the promised land with the uh, injuries and things of that nature to Sabonis and Warren. Malcolm Brogdon has stepped up. Now let's move on to Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, man, this is tough. But my first candidate is the reigning champion. I mean, Rudy Gobert. I mean, why not? This season, he's averaging three blocks per game. Like, this nigga here has always been the cog and the blockade to stop shots from penetrating the basket. Now, my number two candidate is Drew Holiday. Now, there's nobody, there's no guard in the league to me personally that plays defense like Drew Holiday he can guard guards and forwards that are twice his size if Drew Holiday was 6'8 he could probably guard centers my number three defensive player of the year candidate is Joel Embiid As I said before, he's averaging a block a game right now, but he's only a candidate because, let's be honest here, the league does not play that much defense as it used to. My number four candidate, man, is Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's always been known for his defensive prowess and is always appearing on the first team all defense. Last but not least is Bam Adebayo. Man, Bam Adebayo had a great night tonight, despite them losing 
to the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Like, this dude went to work. I mean, Bam is having a hell of a season. I know they're missing Jimmy Butler, but Bam is holding it down, and he's definitely a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Now, Coach of the Year, here's where a lot of people might disagree with these five candidates. Some people might not. My first nominee for Coach of the Year is Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz. I think that, oh, Carmelo Anthony is finally starting. They finally sat Derek. Wait, wait, Derek Jones is out there. So they sat Covington for Melo? Wow. That's ran- I know that's random, but let's get back to it. I mean, Quinn Snyder has the Utah Jazz battling for the top of the West with the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, he is coaching his ass off. Number two, I know a lot of y'all is going to trip, but I don't give a fuck. Tyron Lue. Now, I get that the Clippers already had the talent and Ty Lue benefited off it, but the Clippers had a slow start last year. I mean, they, they were okay, but they weren't playing like this. Like, Ty Lue's scheme actually fits this squad. And I think he's doing the same things that he was doing in Cleveland when he won his championship. But, yeah, Ty Lue definitely deserves to be a candidate for Coach of the Year this year, for early Coach of the Year. Number three, Doc Rivers. I mean, Doc Rivers has Philly at the top of the East, and a lot of people think, including me, that Philly has a great chance of going to the NBA Finals. And Doc is just coaching his ass off once again. Number four, Nate Bjorkin. I can't really pronounce his name, but that's the Indiana Pacers coach. I mean, the Indiana Pacers are playing well despite their injuries and losses. And they continue to find ways to win basketball games. And they're a very solid team, and they're well coached. Last but not least, uh, Frank Vogel, because, shit, I couldn't think of nobody to really put at number five, if you want me to be completely honest. So that's why I put Frank Vogel in the mix, you know, because the Los Angeles Lakers are, you know, number two in the West. They're doing their thing, and they're emptying the lineups. I mean, Frank Vogel's always been a very good coach. He just never got the credit for doing so. Last but not least, Rookie of the Year. Now, this is very, very fucking close because a lot of these rookies' numbers are the same. A lot of them aren't starting. Like, a lot of them are coming off the bench. All the, You know, the only person that is starting for them, for the rookies, is James Wiseman. But a lot, but as I said, there isn't any superstars in the draft. I remember when I did the NBA mock draft. This year's draft was all about addressing team needs. And all of these guys addressed the team needs of their roster. There isn't a superstar that's coming out of that draft. There are going to be some high-quality NBA role players that come out. Maybe somebody could grow into 
just a, uh, an all-star, but not a superstar. My number one candidate for Rookie of the Year is LaMelo Ball, even though I think LaMelo Ball, low-key, can draw some six-man of the year votes. He would definitely be my six-man for uh, for six-man of the year. But yeah, LaMelo Ball, first candidate, I mean, from passing, controlling the flow of the game, needs to improve that jump shot and those free throws, but he's got game everywhere else. And he is an underrated defensive player. Like, he plays the passing lanes like no other. Number two, my number two choice is Emmanuel Quickly from the New York Knicks. I've seen this kid have big games. Like, he got a lot of game, man. Like, I'm not surprised that they went with Emmanuel Quickly over Killian Hayes. Because we see where Killian Hayes' fate is. That nigga out for the season. My number three rookie of the year candidate is Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. Now, that's another nigga I think that could be sixth man of the year consideration. Um, Halliburton's having a very good season alongside De'Aaron Fox. They don't get in each other's way. He's aggressive. And he's just NBA ready. Now, my number four choice for Rookie of the Year is Anthony Edwards. He's been kind of disappointing. Like, I, I expected a little bit more from the number one overall pick. I'm just hoping that I'm not getting Anthony Bennett vibes. But he's playing solid on the uh, Timberwolves, but that team... Last but not least... James Wiseman. Now, he's the one that's actually starting. Now, I'm not going to just hand him Rookie of the Year. I feel like Wiseman needs to rebound a lot better. He shouldn't be averaging six rebounds per game. James Wiseman should be averaging eight or nine and averaging 16 a game. But still a solid choice and a candidate. But um, that's my show for the day, man. And I'm going to holler at y'all niggas later, man. Peace the fuck out. I love y'all.